Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, it is time for some football right out of the gate. Show of hands, who's ready for some college football? BYU, depending on where you look, I've seen him favored by anywhere from three to four and a half points over Houston. Uh, certainly everybody was a little freaked out by how close the UTSA game was. And in Houston, played 20 bad minutes of football. I mean, bad football. Three quick turnovers. They were down 24-7 to to Tulane after about 20 minutes. And then Houston got their act together. I don't know if it was the jitters because it was their first game or whatever it was. The last 40 minutes, they outscored Tulane 42-7. to They showed speed, firepower. Now, maybe Tulane blows because they blew a 24-0 lead to Navy. But uh, Houston showed something. So this game, the fifth game, halfway through the season, as it's scheduled to unfold. Who knows if they'll add games and there'll be more or if games will get canceled because of positive COVID tests, there'll be fewer. But as it sits here right now, it's the fifth out of 10 games It's halfway through BYU's season. How's this going to play out? Kalani Sataki meeting with the media. Of course, the post-game stuff's a little different. It's right after the game. Now he's seen the film. He's got the... He's really got it down cold, what he liked, what he didn't like, the message he wants to get out to his players. He's always coaching through the media. Listen closely as Kalani takes questions on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, looking forward to this game. Um, I think, uh, you know, after, after last week's performance, we learned uh, quite a bit as a team, some things that we can work on and, and uh, things that are very, very fixable. So looking forward to get that done today in practice. Um, you know, we've had good opportunity to work a little bit after the game and, and get a, a jump start on, on this one being such a, sh- a short turnaround, short week. So I'm um, looking forward to getting back at it. Really quality opponent in Houston. Um, you can see from their roster, there's a lot of experience returning, a lot of veteran guys on their team, a lot of depth. And uh, what sticks out is their athleticism and speed. They have a lot of playmakers. Um, quarterback that seems really um, comfortable uh, under their scheme this year and being Dana's second year, you know, well coached, and Dana's done a great job putting a, around, you know, putting together a really solid team that has a lot of explosiveness in all three phases. So, a lot of playmakers, and it's going to test us. And looking forward to the matchup, um, physical uh, front on both sides, on the line and D line. So, uh, you know, our, our guys are going to have to get ready to work and and uh, get ready for a, a big time game this this Friday. Kalani, you've talked a lot, um, I don't know, this this entire year about the the leadership and the importance of the team ownership. Sometimes you see it in a different level after a game where maybe the guys know they didn't play their best. What have you seen from the leaders both in the game and then now as you're kind of trying to improve and build off of that? Yeah, there's a lot of things that go on um, behind the scenes with the players. I think the, the key is for them to collaborate with the coaches, but also to to, you know, communicate with each other. And so I think, um, you know, coaches, we're going to, we're going to show the things that, that uh, we think that we can improve on. And then I think players can do the same. They can echo it or they can be in front of it. Um, but I think we're all speaking the same language and our expectations for each other. I mean, I, I like the players being involved in that. I think, um, you know, having the coaches always give praise and criticism isn't, isn't the right way to do it. I think you can, share that with, with the whole team. And uh, obviously the coaches will do their part, but there's a, our, our job is to teach and, and uh, have them learn as much as possible. And from what we saw from last week and then from Saturday's game, these things are, are, are uh, fixable. And 
will take a, a lot of uh, focus and, and guys being, you know, having better concentration and then just and then giving credit to our opponents. They, they played great, but we didn't, we didn't play our best. And that, that was unfortunate. We didn't show our best in that game. Kalani, what challenges come from being a team now that is, that's targeted by your opposition due to your high ranking? Yeah. I mean, you saw it with UTSA, they wanted to come in here and, 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 and get after they had a mission in mind. They want to see how they matched up. We've, we've been in that position as well. We faced teams that were ranked and being the underdog. And so, uh, you know, for, for this position, it's not really focused on, on being the hunted anymore. It's just a matter of we, we can't stop hunting ourselves, you know? And so we still have a lot of things to prove and we still have uh, a lot of things that we can do better and, and still have a lot of plays that we can make. So, um, you know, we, we've addressed a lot of the issues already and we'll get to it with, with the film, but we've got to put that game, uh, learn as much as we can from it and then put that game to the side and, and then get working on Houston. So we'll, we'll do a, a hybrid of things today um, with, uh, you know, the corrections that we need to make. Uh, a lot of it, the players have already seen themselves and have already addressed it themselves um, with, with communication from their coaches and from the things they saw on film with our, with the feedback that they're getting from the coaches. So, that's already there. We just need to make sure that, um, that, you know, everyone's on the same page and that uh, we're all speaking the same language and communicate it well and confirm what they've learned and what they've seen. From the and away we go on to Houston. And Kalani, what did Tom tell you as to why this game was moved from Provo to Houston? I don't know all the details. All I know is that uh, we, we wanted the game. So, um, you know, looking forward to getting out there and, in the game against Dana and his team. And, and I think he does a fine job at, at putting a team together. They obviously had something in mind when they, when they took him away from West Virginia to Houston. So uh, from what we saw in that first game, that was the first game of the, of the year, you know, and, and a lot of improvement happens from week one to week two. So we have to anticipate them being way better than what we saw in week one. And then hopefully we can be way better than we were in, 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 uh, in our four weeks or especially in the week four. Hey, Kalani, obviously implications are huge for this game Friday with ESPN and your ranking and everything. Do you feel like your team is built well to handle and mature enough to handle the hype that's going to come from this game? I don't care anything about hype. I just want to play our best. And then it doesn't really matter about the, uh, the, the um, rankings and all the, the, you know, the criticism or the praise, it doesn't matter. Those, those are all distractions. We try to get back on it with our guys. And the only, the only answer, Jay, to give you is that we got to work. We're going to work really hard and, um, and, and, and get back on track where I think we, can, we, can, we know we can play. Now, um, if, we, if we can play at our best and, and, and minimize the, the mistakes, then I think we'll be a lot um, more comfortable with our performance. But we'll have to wait and see how that matches up against Houston. But the only answer we can, I can give you right now is to work hard. And when guys start thinking about all the other stuff, those are just distractions. We, we label them as distractions, good and, or bad. And, and the focus is just purely on trying to fix what we made, the mistakes that we made against UTSA and then getting to Houston and making sure that when we answer that game Friday night that we're going to be at our best. And you've been a little shorthanded. Uh, with some offensive linemen out, kicker out, uh, Sione Finau not quite back. What are the prospects for Friday of getting some of those guys back? Yeah, those are all distractions too. So we'll play with whoever is ready to roll, right? And and um, been really pleased with our coaches, them putting together a game plan 
and schemes, and um, but also putting together a depth chart where we can get the best guys on the field and give us the best chance to win. Now, the guys that we're looking at, guys coming back, we think they're they're further ahead. I think James Empey and, and Tristan are very close. James probably further than uh, more ahead of, of being back on on the field than Tristan, but so it's still a chance for those guys to play this weekend. Also, Sione Final, Keanu Saliapanga is possibly back. Uh, who am I forgetting? Brendan, Kenny, anybody else? Jay, do you know anybody in specific that, that... Uh, well, Jake Oldroyd, uh, yeah, Jake Oldroyd as well. Sorry. Yeah, he, we, we expect him to be back this week as well. Um, I'm trying to think, I don't know that, 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 that's, I think that's, that covers most of them, but yeah, I think we, we should be, um, better and we should be deeper in different spots, but regardless of what happens, whether it's a, a COVID test or a injury or something that comes along the way, that's part of the game. We, we try to provide as much depth in every position possible for this, for this uh, violent game, you know, that, that, that people get hurt in and, and um, looking forward to getting the guys back. You know, it was good to see Lopa back on the field. And so we'll see how this thing progresses and, and how we look today. Probably have more answers for you guys tomorrow and, and things like that, but feel really good about the way those, those other guys are starting to come back. And uh, most of the guys that I mentioned have, have been on the practice field already. So, uh, I, I trust the training room and, and whenever they say those guys are ready to roll. Hey coach, um, Gunnar Romney has been having a great year, but what makes him so special off the field? What does he bring to the team in the locker rooms during practices that just really makes him a standout player? Hard work. Guy works hard. And, and, and um, he doesn't talk a lot. And then when he first got here, he definitely doesn't, doesn't didn't do much talking, but came in as a true freshman, had, he probably worked too hard when he came as a true freshman, just always extra work, running extra routes, and probably helps having a brother on the team that can throw him the ball whenever he wants, you know, but he's always working. And if you look at his, where his family comes from and, and their background, that's a family of hard workers. And so that work ethic carries carries over into what he does on the field. But, you know, it's it's uh, not very often you as a coach, you have to tell the kid to slow down a little bit. And, you know, his freshman year, we had to slow him down because he, he, he honestly – um, had, uh, you know, some soft tissue issues because he was working too much. We'd have a full practice, sometimes two days, and he was out there running again. And it's like, man, you know, we got to get this guy to just settle down a little bit. But I've never seen a lot of, I mean, I've seen a lot of players, but I, I, very, very few have had the same work ethic as Gunner and then his brother Baylor. So they work really hard and he's a great leader, great example. The guys follow him. And, and now that he's an upperclassman, when he speaks, they listen. But when he was a freshman and sophomore, when he did it, they all followed. And then that uh, the huge credit for receiving for being ready this year. You know, Fessy's done a great job, but allowing Gunner to to lead the way with his his example. We lost three seniors last year, and they were able to just pick up and roll with it. And that's because guys like Gunner and Dax with their work ethic has been unbelievable. Kalani, with this uh, being just their second game, your fifth. How much or kind of advantages or disadvantages is it that you have one game to look at for them, they have four to look at on you? Well, I, I think if you look at that game, you can you tell they're well coached and they have a lot of uh, upperclassmen, veteran leadership. They ran into some adversity early in that game, you know, and, and they were able to settle down and, and basically put the game away, you know. And so that's, that's a, a, an indicative of a, of a veteran group. An experienced group 
and a well-coached group. So I, I think you, you'll see a lot of coaches say you see a lot of improvement from week one to week two, and they did some great things in week one. And so we're expecting a much better team than, than in, week, in, in this game against us than what they did in, in, in their first game. And what they did in the first game was really, really impressive. So, uh, you know, we have to be at our best and, um, you know, looking forward to getting that done. I, I just think that uh, I don't think you can read into it other than that, that they, they're a better team than what you've already seen on film. There's Kalani Sataki, BYU head coach. The Utes also had a press conference, and we got to hear from the two guys that we think are in the quarterback competition. Maybe Drew Lisk will shock us, and it will be him, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be either Cam Rising, the transfer from Texas, who's been in the program, or Jake Bentley, the transfer from South Carolina, who uh, got here in time for spring ball. We'll hear from both of those guys next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Utes are closing in about three weeks to the start of the season now. And the question is, who's the starting quarterback? That's the first question. So we're going to let you hear from both guys. We haven't heard much from them, but Cam Rising, Jake Bentley, speaking with the media on a Zoom call. We'll start with Cam Rising. He's from California. He went to the University of Texas. He was with the Longhorns. Didn't get to play. Transferred to Utah uh, at the bowl game. When the game ended, I was stunned at how many Texas players made a beeline for Cam Rising. They really liked this guy. It wasn't just a, hey, how you doing? They made a beeline for him. Here's Cam Rising with the media. Cam, obviously last year at the end of the season, you got named the backup quarterback heading into the bowl game. Uh, did, did that change any any prep or, or your ability to be able to kind of understand this offense, not being on the scout team, and, and then now moving into trying to be the, the starting quarterback? I mean, it definitely opened me, opened my eyes up to seeing what it, what it's like to being with uh, with the twos and, and even getting a few reps and and some uh, some of the other things that we do with the ones just just giving me valuable reps that that I took advantage of at the time and and hopefully it's it's starting to show with fall camp. Cam, uh, with having a, an unexpectedly long off season, having the season delayed from when it normally started. How, how did that influence kind of how you approached things and how you prepared and how you kept yourself ready coming into the season? Um, just as a team as a whole, we kind of taken it upon ourselves to make sure that we stayed ready throughout this whole entire process, not knowing uh, what's, what's been transpiring throughout this whole entire pandemic and just making sure that we, we stay on course. So, uh, as a team, we've done a good job and just staying with it now. We're starting to hit the ground running with fall camp. Cam, the role you played last season was uh, was crucial for the team and just playing that scout team quarterback. But now that you're eligible to play, just how different does it feel for you knowing that these practices and these reps, um, you know, all directly factor into your opportunity to play in games this season? I mean that I see. I disagree. I'd say those reps that I got against the the, uh, the one defense of the scout team were were valuable, and, and they 
they have been serving me well up to this point just because, I mean, I got to go against a lot of guys that are playing and doing some really good stuff on Sundays. So I take, I took, uh, I tried to make sure that those reps were taken advantage of, but now it's just applying those to what we got going on right now. Yeah, Cam, I just want to know what, what is different about your, your game compared to the other quarterbacks that, you, that you're going up against in camp? Ooh, um, I don't know. I, I guess you just have to see me play and, and you'll be able to find out yourself. Cam, a lot's kind of been made about this in the past, but, you know, the fact that you've been here for a year and you spend game days up in the box with Andy, kind of learning how he operates, how the offense operates, how much of an advantage do you kind of see that experience being now? That, that time that I spent up in that, in that press box was, was very valuable. I got to see a whole different side of football that I've never really been able to see. Um, and hopefully I'm just able to, to continue to think how, how Coach Led thinks to make sure that this team can keep moving forward. Cam, what's the quarterback room like when there's three guys battling for a starting job? A year ago, two years ago, it was Tyler's job for the most part. But you've got three guys, your teammates. You hosted Jake on his visit. You know him very well. I'm going to guess you guys are pretty friendly. So what's it like when you're battling for a job you certainly want, but you guys are still teammates and friends? I mean, how how it comes down is iron sharpens iron. So, I mean, we got – Jake and Drew who are doing great things and, and it's making me better and it's, and I'm trying to push them as well just to make sure that we are all competing to make sure that we give the team the best uh, quarterback to make sure that this team can win as many games as we can win this year. So, I mean, we, we've, we've got a great room. I think I'm speaking for those two, but I think we all love each other and I think it's a good room. Hey, Cam, just to go off of what Bill said a little bit, can you just talk about the abbreviated camp and the fact that the coaches, Coach Witt said they'd like within a week to maybe get paired down to two and a week after get a starter named. Can you just talk about the pressures that come with that? Um, I mean, pressure is something you feel when you're, when you're not prepared. And we've been preparing these past few months ever since we got back after the, uh, the quarantine and the lockdown, just – We've been, we've been preparing. Even when we were at home, we were preparing. We were doing the Zoom calls, making sure that we were installing and getting everything. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, and, and I know that the rest of the team are ready to go as well. Are you confident that all three of you will live with the results and just whatever the coaches decide, that's who you decide? Absolutely. That's all you can do. There's nothing, there's nothing else. There's no reason to do anything drastic because of one thing. Thank you. Next up is Josh Newman, followed by Alex Markham, and then Christopher Crum. Cam, it's been a long time since you guys put pads on. I guess you guys were in uppers when spring practice ended. Uh, you'll start to put on the shoulder pads today, tomorrow. The full pads come out Wednesday. Um, do things start to feel a little more real now, you know, once the pads come out? Absolutely. I mean, the whole team has been – anxious to just get out there with pads even having the uh, practices without helmets or with helmets but it's not the same without tackling and, and getting that contact in like when you have pads so we're all excited about that. Cam can you kind of just detail for us what you did during lockdown when you were back home in Southern California and how you went about finding places to 
uh, workout? Because I know California was pretty strict at the time. And did you hit up the old high school um, field to throw with some buddies? I'm just wondering what what those few months were like for you back home. Yeah, I kind of got um, just a few guys that would go out and catch with me. Uh, all the high schools were locked down, so did have to break the rules and hop a fence every so often <laughs> to make sure I could do that. But it was it was worth it in time well spent, I believe. Morning, Cam. Morning. So um, this season's been a little bit weird for everybody. Obviously, not ideal. Um, nice that you guys get to play, but it's it's kind of been a benefit for somebody like you because you know you lost your year last year, and now you actually get it back. So uh, you know what what went through your mind when that rule came out, and uh, you know how, how fortunate do you feel in a situation like this? I mean, just to have another year is, is a valuable thing, especially when you have uh, a complex offense like this. It's it's great to be able to be in it as long as you can to make sure that you can learn the ins and outs and just continue to improve each year. So just I'm glad that I get an extra one to make sure that I can be as best for this program as I, as I can be. Cam, Jake comes in having D1 experience after coming in from South Carolina, but you, you've you been in the system for an entire year. You know what Andy Ludwig runs, and I know he schemes towards his his personnel, but how, how does that relationship work in terms of being able to, you know, know that he has experience, but you've got experience in this offense? Like, how do you how do you strengthen each other from that? Um, I think we just build off each other. I mean, he has that, that valuable playing experience in the SEC, which is, which is very valuable and, and goes a long way. And just having my my knowledge of the offense, we kind of build off each other and just make sure that we, we're getting better each and every practice. Cam, could you talk to me a little bit about uh, the personnel? Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the the depth of talent on this team and the weapons available to whomever is is the starting quarterback. But you've been in the program for a few years, so you you know these guys pretty well. You've thrown to a lot of them. But uh, give, give me your read on, on just – how potentially explosive this offense could be this year? I mean, you guys, you guys can see the see the roster that we have. It, it, it is very deep. We have guys across the board that can make plays in the running back room, receivers, tight ends. <clears throat> Our O line is good. Um, the sky's the limit with this offense. Honestly, just having all those weapons and having a great uh, offensive coordinator like Coach Led, I, I feel like we'll be put in positions to make sure that. We'll, we'll be in situations to win games. There's Cam Rising. Now here's the guy he's competing with, Jake Bentley. 33 starts at South Carolina. Hurt his foot. Lost his starting job. A guy who came in and replaced him. Was younger. Played really well. So he transfers to Utah. Here's Jake Bentley. Hey, Jake. Uh, I just wanted to know what, what the last few months have been like, especially during these really weird times, you know, and, and really a really long offseason. What, what has the last few months been like for you? You know, I think it's been a, a mixed, mixed uh, kind of mixed bag of emotions for me. I think, you know, when the news originally came out, I was like, man, you know, everybody was thinking next fall and even next spring. And um, it's like, man, I have to wait even longer to get back on the field. You know, that, you know, being last year, having to wait and everything. So that was kind of disappointing, but also was a, was a positive, too. It gave me more time to really dive deep into offense and, and really get to, to learn that and get a firm grasp on on everything that coach wanted, wants to do offensively. So, um, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a weird kind of em- emotional deal um, past couple months, but I think that uh, as a team, we made the most of it. I made the most of it. And it's been, 
think a really productive time um, for us as a team. You obviously have a lot of experience starting a quarterback at South Carolina. How, how's that experience playing in that SEC environment helped you in, in preparing in a new program and, and approaching a new playbook and a new offense? I think it's helped a lot. I think it's helped a lot just seeing a different, all the different blitzes and schemes and, and, and things that a defense has tried to do to you um, in SEC has really prepared me to kind of, you know, figure out a way to, to get through any situation. And, um, you know, but I think it's a totally different offense for me. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people run the same concepts, but um, I think Cam just said, it, you know, this, this offense is complex. So uh, it takes a lot of learning, a lot of film work, and uh, that's what I've been having to do. And so I think on the field experience and SEC has helped a lot, but as far as learning the offense, it's something that I've really had to, you know, rely on coach and rely on, uh, you know, Drew and Cam, rely on other guys to, to really try to soak up their knowledge as well and, and as well with my own personal um, film study. Jake, good morning. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to ask you, with, if the season had been wiped out or delayed a year, would you have still come back? And then two, can you just talk about the timetable the coaches have set, how they want to pare this down to two, possibly within a week, and then a week after that you get the starter named maybe the pressures that come along with that? Well, I think your first question, absolutely. I would have stayed, never really crossed my mind to leave to uh, the NFL or leave for another college. I, I love it here. I love the team here. I love the guys and, and really wanted to stay and um, just continue to grow with them and, and continue to battle this, this weird time together as a team. And um, as far as this fall camp and, and the pressures or, or anything like that, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it pressure because, you know, you come in every day prepared and ready to compete. And um, I think that's what we've always done our whole lives. Um, us three is, is, you know, compete on the football field. And so it's nothing different for us. Um, just going out there and try to make each other better, trying to make the team better and uh, just finding a way to, to do that each and every day. Jake, do you expect everybody to, to live with the results and be happy and just keep competing as the season goes on, no matter what's decided at the start of the year? I believe so. I believe so. I think everybody's, uh, you know, loves one another, loves, loves this team. And um, it really has a team mindset uh, more than, more than a mindset about themselves. Hey, Jake, how are you? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, you've spoken in the past about um, the fact that you missed most of last season. That has really put a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Um, wanting to prove to people that you can still play. Um, I'm wondering what that chip is like now, you know, now that you've had to wait longer um, and now that there is a season, has that chip gotten bigger at this point? You know, well, I think for me, if it, you know, when I think when you say chip on your shoulder, it means you're trying to prove something to somebody, you know, I, I think more for me, it was kind of just, you know, our own personal chip on my shoulder. No, I can get back out there and do it. Not, not really anything to, to you know, try to please anybody's expectations or thoughts of me. It's more that this is the game that I've played my whole life and love playing. And so, you know, work really hard to get back to this point, to get back out there with the team. So I think for me, it, it's, it's become just a, just a real drive. And I think it, you know, just increased my drive to want to get back out there even more um, just with the, the little break we had and just really fired me up to get back on the field. And just to follow that up very quickly, um, it's been a long time since you guys have been in pads. I, I guess the final spring practice was done in uppers. Um, you know, you put the uppers back on today. Full pads come out on Wednesday. Uh, do things start to feel a little more real once the pads come out for the first time? For sure. For sure. I mean, <laughs> for me, it's been 
daggum year since I've had pads on. So I think for me, it's going to be the most real feeling that I've had in a while on the field. And as far as just getting back to normal, getting back to what, what football is supposed to feel like. And that's, that's full pad. That's contact. That's, that's hearing the pads pop. Um, you know, I think we might be in a little, a little clean white jerseys, but it's, it's still, it's still nice to hear them, hear the pads pop and uh, just, just that competitive nature when the pads come on. Jake, you've been here the uh, the least amount of time of the guys in the competition, but you know, now that you've had kind of this, you know, through this whole situation, you've had time to spend time with the guys and in the offense, how comfortable do you feel now in the offense with the guys and in this competition? Very comfortable. I feel very good. I mean, it's, it's one of those deals, like you said, I've had this extended time to excuse me, really, really get to learn and really get to just dive deep in the offense and learn the ins and outs. Um, I think in the spring, it was, you know, a little bit of drinking water through a fire hose a little bit and just trying to soak up as much as I could. So having the break really allowed me to kind of slow down and really, really dive deep and learn it and, and really get a good grasp on what coach wanted to do and getting out with the guys and going through plays on our own and really getting, really getting a firm grip so we can be ready for Paul Camp. Jake, as, as was mentioned, obviously you've been here the, the least, um, but you, you're the one that has the most D1 experience of, of all the quarterbacks in that room. If, if one of the other guys are named the starter, I mean, what, is, what does that mean for you knowing that you, you know, left another school to come here and, and try to compete for that starting job? Yeah. Well, I think, I think uh, for me, the kind of way I approach life, I think, you know, you only have so much mental energy, right? And I'm not trying to get too deep, but thinking about negative things like that, it's kind of not what I do. Um, so I'm not really going to think about not winning the job, not to dodge your question or anything like that, but just not what goes to my head. Um, I'm going to be the best teammate that I can be. And that's always been my, my approach to anything, whether, you know, whatever, what happens last year, that's what my approach was. So that, that, that answers the question enough, just be the best teammate I can be. And uh, that, that's, that's how I'll do it. Um, Jake, I'd just be curious, when was the last time you felt like you were in a true quarterback competition? I know coaches will always say it's open every year, but that isn't always necessarily the case. We all know that. So when was the last time you were in what would you would call a true quarterback competition? And with that being said, what's your mindset going into camp, knowing that Cam is here and Drew is here and they're competing with you? I think every, every single day has been a competition in college. I mean, I don't think that you ever go into a to a – to a day of practice thinking, oh, you know, I'm not competing today. I can just, you know, do whatever I want to and not have negative implications. I think playing for Will Muschamp, he'll let you know. And he don't he don't care if you've been there for four years, three years, however long. If you're not executing well in practice, um, he'll let you know. And same with Coach Weddy. You know, you got to come in competing every day. And even if you can name the starter, you're then competing with yourself every day. To be, bet, to be better, and um, you know, that's what we all plan to do, what I plan to do, and looking forward to it. All right, there's Jake Bentley, and before him, Cam Rising, the guys who are battling for the starting quarterback job at Utah. When we come back, we put a wrap on the longest basketball season ever with Steve Cleveland. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to wrap up the longest NBA season ever. Steve Cleveland, one last time with PK and I. We had him on in the 9 o'clock hour late yesterday, but here he is putting a ball in the season on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Steve, good morning. Morning. I remember when I was a kid and the Chargers sucked forever and they won a division title. Not a playoff game, not a Super Bowl. A division title. And a columnist started his column with, they are champions at last and the city is awash with euphoria. I don't know why that sticks with me, but it does. And then I thought of the Lakers winning championship. And I thought of Steve Cleveland, Laker lifer, you know, went to UC Irvine, was right there in the Southland for a a lot of drama and a lot of good times. And I'm thinking, they are champions at last. Yeah, it's been a long, grueling decade, hasn't it, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Finding uh, out how the other half lives. What? The lottery uh, again? What? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, I, we, we've talked about this, and uh, I think this thing could have been done a little bit earlier if we had just kind of gone small from the get-go. But, uh, you know, last night, uh, watching that game, and obviously L.A. had a focus and – I don't think any. I don't think Miami had much left in the tank. They they played so well and given so much, but uh, to actually see them do this, I, I just love it. When Anthony Davis was inside, you know, where he would be around the hoop, he could rebound the ball better, he could actually defend better down there, have a presence, uh, he could step out, and they're they're just better defensively when uh, they could pretty much switch one to five a lot of times. Uh, it's just the game came easier when you didn't play two bigs in there. And it made it easier to defend, they better offensively, and, uh, and, and Davis then could be a threat on pick and pops. When he's a screener uh, and you've got LeBron coming off of it and they got to give help, there were just so many little things that I just felt watching this series that I said, this series is going on too long, longer than it should have, and that's not taking anything away from Miami because they were incredible. But uh, I just felt like the matchups were in L.A.'s advantage if they went small. And uh, it, it worked out well, and, and they, they dominated. Yeah, I was thinking of you when they did that because they made an, a note of it that Caruso, I don't think it ever started, and there he was in the starting lineup. And then by the second quarter, they're up 30. And I'm thinking, oh, man, that old basketball coach over there in Fresno knows what he's talking about because <laughs> that, that obviously was a massive difference. And maybe they would have won anyway because I agree with you that the Heat were pretty much out of gas and expecting somebody like Jimmy Butler just to play out of his mind. Uh, every single game is almost difficult. Uh, it's maybe too difficult to ask. He was brilliant for stretches for sure. Why do you think it took the uh, coaching staff of the Lakers? I don't know if they were reluctant. It just took them a long time to get to this point. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it did take a long time, and, and, and you got doses of it during the course of the game. You know, uh, they they'd substitute to that point in the middle of a game. But if you if you watched that game last night, I mean they switched everything right at the point of the ball. I mean there was no space, and when you were having to show and and you know heads out and then get back, they, those Miami shooters were so good that they didn't need but just a little bit of space. But when all of a sudden now you could switch one to five and be there right at the line of the ball and contest shots, it made it much much more difficult for Miami to get good looks, and. 
what that does for a team is it gives you confidence. It gives you confidence to be a better defender than you probably really are because it's a whole. It's it's more than some of the parts where we're connected on a rope here, and it doesn't matter. No one's going to, you know, occasionally someone might slip a screen and dive to the basket and so forth. But if you got good help side, that's not going to be. But that wasn't what was beating, you know. Certainly Anderson and. Uh, uh, the little young guard, they, they, they were shooting that thing. They had space. They, they had little to no space. And so I don't know why it took so long, but it was, it was once you saw it, you go, okay, I get it. And Anthony Davis was so much. He, his, his statistics may not have been as, as good as they would be where he's on the perimeter, but when he can go from being inside out, he's just such a threat. And, but I like him around the basket. They needed him to be a rebounder. And, and, and that's what he – I mean, he had 15 boards. When he's out there playing the four, you know, he seldom got inside. He just seemed like a – he was just stuck out there. And he was no – he was kind of in between where you're in no man's land. You can't help the team offensively. You can't help them defensively. And making an occasional three and an ooh and off play, that wasn't going to get it done if they were going to beat Miami. So, um, yeah, it, it was better that way. And it made it much more difficult on Miami. They, they could not get – separation that they had had previous games. I thought of you especially on one play, and I know it's just one play in a massive second quarter when they blow the game open, but there was an inbounds underneath, and when you put one big guy with four guys spread around the, the well, you have one guy inbounding the ball, but three other guys on the, uh, on the three-point line, they inbounded underneath to him, AD, and he just turns, pivots, and dunks. Like, there's no help when there's no second big guy. And it seems so obvious, and you pointed it out to us multiple times, which makes me think that it must be something, because their whole coaching staff, there's a bunch of guys who are smart enough to figure that out. There's no way that none of those guys figured this out. That tells me there's something about personal relationships, friendships, loyalty, and they didn't make the move because they were winning so easily. They never yeah. lost a second game in any other series. They were never close to losing the series. Maybe one series they lost a game one. Maybe it was the Rockets. But they were never close to it. But once they lost a second game, they're like, to the relationships and the friendships and the loyalty, we're, we're, we're not messing around anymore. Do you think that's you know, why that plays out that way? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And I, I don't think any of us really understand what it's like to, to kind of be in a in – a, atmosphere for four months that is so unlike their lives and that maybe is the, the greatest job that every every one of those coaches that came down there to get these guys to keep them focused to be together that we can do this i know it seems like oh yeah this is a bunch of millionaires living in you know swimming pools and and tennis courts and pickleball courts and and you can go out and fish you know it seems like a great holiday but it's not something that they were used to. I mean, where you just can't leave. You felt like that bubble felt a little bit like prison. You know, we can't leave it. And that plays on your head and your mind. A lot of these guys are young and being away from family and friends and loved ones. Uh, you, had to, you had to really, really, uh, outside of basketball as a coaching staff, do things to bring them together. And that culture that they developed, I mean, every team – has its characters and guys that are harder to coach than others. Um, but I, I guess I would credit all the NBA teams for how they focused, uh, but certainly for those that had to be there for four months. Uh, 
I, I know to a lot they may seem like, well, hey, they, these are the richest guys in the world. They're prima donnas. You know, what, what, what's hard about it? But the mental part of it, the emotional part of it, being away from you know, people that you're used to being around every day can take its toll on you. And I think we saw evidence of that from several of the players. We just talked about uh, just the emotions and the mental uh, breakdowns and, and just uh, the loneliness and a little bit of depression that existed with a lot of different players. So, yes, I think there was an opportunity to really come together and uh, the Lakers, uh, they, they did a great job of that. You know, their staff, their coaches, all the support people. Um, and, and not and having LeBron James as a mentor and, and as a captain and as someone that is, is outspoken, um, he must have done a lot of things off, off the floor, away from everybody. I, I can just see him mentoring and helping. So, and it's not that other teams didn't do that as well. I'm sure they did. I mean, Jimmy Butler had a huge influence on those young players. But uh, that bubble was really, really difficult. And, uh, you know, those seri- all, a lot of those series would have gone differently had they had to have gone to a home court and, you know, four times instead of three or, you know, the neutral court. I mean, it was all there, but it was the same for everyone. But I, I completely agree with you. Uh, it, uh, it was amazing how they were able to keep it together. And, 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 and culture is hard. In a, in a normal environment, but they found ways to really stay connected. And they bought in and give LeBron a great deal of that credit. And then the guy that, to me, they, obviously if LeBron or AD aren't there, they're not going to win it. But Rondo was the X factor here. And I don't, I don't think they win the series the way things were going without Rondo. And uh, he, he had the ability to, I mean, I don't know, he just had the confidence, guys trust him. And more than anything, LeBron James trusted him. I mean, obviously he had a lot to do with him being there. But Rondo made huge plays, uh, able to score on his own, and was just kind of a glue guy from that experience that he had had. Um, he, he, he was the X factor. He's the reason, he, he's what got the Lakers where they got to. I mean, obviously they'd never get there without LeBron and AD, but... You're going to take someone outside of that. Rajon Rondo was incredible. Fun to watch. They needed a guy like that. Not that the other guys, Caldwell Pope, didn't do good things and Green Caruso, but Rondo's a real point guard. And uh, he kept that team together and found ways to get easy baskets. And that's hard to do in playoff time. Yeah, just how valuable are those veteran guys who have been there, done that, and by the time you get them, they're really only interested in winning. That's the truth. That is the absolute truth. There are no distractions. <laughs> you know, it's not like it's a 21-year-old guy that's, you know, can't wait for practice to get over so I can get over there and go fishing in the afternoon. Uh, no, he, he was there. And I, that's the same mindset that LeBron James had. And, and, you know, you look at Danny Green. He won, you know, he won championships in San Antonio, Toronto, now L.A., and at North Carolina. You know, I mean, he, he's got a championship pedigree, and he, he took a lot of heat for missing that shot. But, you know, Danny Green was a valuable piece of that team, too, and, and especially defensively and hitting timely threes. Uh, I felt bad for him. He kind of got uh, blasted by his the fan base and some ugliness there. But Danny Green has, has had a pedigree that also he's been there before, has done this, and could uh, glean from those experiences. 
Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, Sunday night, while the Lakers are clinching the title, but the game's a blowout, and the ALCS game, one is on, and a really good Sunday night football game is on. Those games are both very competitive, high-end teams. Seahawks or PK's picked to win it all. They're 5-0. and I haven't seen the ratings yet, but they must be terrible. I'm thinking the NBA's got to be feeling a lot of pressure to start this next season in January so they can finish it in August and kind of have the normal amount of days off and all that. And it takes about eight months to play it out. I just can't think they want to compete with football again. No, no. And I I had heard uh, Adam Silver uh, in a conversation just recently, you know, because there was a lot of talk that they wanted to do something in December. And uh, and I think that's been mixed. And uh, first of all, these, the, this, the whole thing, everybody needs kind of a rest yeah. <laughs> and just to walk away from it and take away from it. But I think it starts in January. What will be unique, and I've heard conversations, there's a narrative about the Olympics, but it, it appears that Adam Silver is, is going to start in January, and uh, which is the end of football. So it will almost be over. I'm not sure when they're going to have their Super Bowl and all that's going to happen. But for the most part, uh, get this thing done, uh, but there is going to be a conflict with with the Olympics, and it didn't seem like they were going to. At least at this point, it doesn't seem like they're going to be willing to rearrange the schedule and play more games during a week so we can accommodate the Olympics. I think it's more, uh, you know, what the best players on the teams that aren't in the playoffs and the best college and you know players they'll be the ones that make up the the Olympic team. So I don't I don't think the NBA. Uh, I think they want to get back to some normalcy. Uh, and, and I'm sure the season will end a little bit later, but then everything will be back to normal. But I can see the Olympics in terms of the team there. It won't be the same type of a team. Plus the fact I, I could see a lot of the really great older players thinking to themselves, you know, I've already done this. We've been playing for two years straight here. It's been a long, long season. Uh, I'm going I'm to say uh, – I'm going to take a break on the Olympics and let younger players get involved in it. So, and the Olympics are huge. You know, our country, it's a, it's a wonderful thing and you take great pride in it. But I, I would be really, really surprised if the NBA tweaks their season. Doesn't seem like they're going to do it. I, I don't think they should. There's plenty of good college players and other pros and, and uh, they can represent the country. That's the most important thing is you represent the country. It's, it's great if you want a medal, but just represent the country in a great way. And so... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's been this has been a long, long process, and uh, I mean, we think about it. We've been we've been on the air for about a long, long time. <laughs> Usually, this is about a five or six month deal. <laughs> so we get. I hope you're not getting tired of me. No, not no. at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy being on with you guys. But it, you know, you start thinking about it. Like, Man, we've been talking basketball for a long time, here. <laughs> and uh, but it's been good. And again, I'm. I am happy. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of any any real team, but just being from L.A. and, and as you've mentioned, the Dodgers and, and the Lakers are teams I kind of grew up with, the Rams. Uh, I, I like it. I'm happier when they win if they don't. I don't lose a lot of sleep if they don't, but uh, uh, it, it is nice to see some of the folks from the homeland doing well. 
Well, Steve, we want to thank you for uh, sticking with us through the NBA's longest year. I was, I was, I was reading a thing that now it's been like a year since everything broke with China, right? It was the preseason, yeah. and Daryl Morey sends out the tweet, and LeBron says what he says, and it's been a year, and now China put Game Five of the Game Five or Six, I guess, in Game Five of the NBA Finals, uh, back on TV. There, I mean, all this stuff that happened, it seemed like such a big deal at the time, and it was, but. It's also a long time ago, and you've been you've been a champ coming on week after week with us. We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm, I'm, you, you're good guys. I I don't know that I would do it for any other two guys. I appreciate <laughs> you guys and what you do in that community. Uh, do we have an idea when our schedule's been set for college basketball for preseason games, or is, is any of that out yet for Utah? schools in Utah? Well, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend. The specifics for some schools are leaking out, but for other schools, they aren't known yet. So uh, we're, we're kind of in a gray area right now. So, Good. But when, when college basketball fires up, we'll, we'll get you that. Maybe we'll bug you for the draft or something. But that still gives you a month without us. So, you know, you need a little free time from DJ and PK. All right. Hey, listen. Thanks, fellas. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. We appreciate him coming in all year long. Not all season long. All year long, when the season hit pause, he kept showing up. We appreciate it. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.